So baptism points us to Jesus, but baptism does not save us. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. For as Paul writes in Romans, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Welcome to the Semper Reformata Podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Chapter 22. Now, the B word has just appeared. And I'm not allowed to talk about that in here, sure I'm not. Just in case I put my foot in it, I'm always worried about walking across that bit of ground in front of me. It seems to creak every time I go across it. I, I think it has something against me. Arise and be baptized. Now, listen. What is the purpose of baptism? Last week I was preaching in East End Baptist and preaching on something entirely different. And I, to their surprise, I brandished a copy of the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith in the pulpit and waved it at them. They didn't think I possessed such a thing. And um, I meant to break it with me tonight. And when I looked for it, I couldn't find it. Maybe I left it there. Maybe they confiscated it. But I know well that in traditional baptistic circles, in traditional baptistic circles, baptism, of course, is little more than something you do to testify of something that you have already done. You know what I mean? They talk about following the Lord through the waters of baptism. So baptism is little more, correct me afterwards if I'm wrong, but baptism is little more than an act of obedience to the command of God. Very often, an open proclamation of your faith in Christ. And that's okay as far as it goes. But it's incomplete, isn't it? Because baptism is far more than that. So for complete equality, here are the words of the 1689 Baptist Confession on the subject of baptism. Baptism, I'm quoting this now directly, Baptism is an ordinance of the New Testament ordained by Jesus Christ to be unto the party baptized a sign of his fellowship with him in his death and resurrection of his being engrafted into him of remission of sins and of giving up into God through Jesus Christ to live and walk in newness in life. Newness of life. Now, there's absolutely nothing in there about what I have done, is there? There's nothing to do there 
with what I have done. Nothing about making my decision, is there? There's nothing about getting saved in there or asking Jesus into my heart or even my obedience to God. Baptism, according to the Baptist confession of faith, is not to do with what I have done. It has everything to do with what Christ has done for me. And what has he done according to that statement in the Baptist Confession? He has brought me out of darkness into fellowship with him when he died on the cross and rose from the dead for me. He he has engrafted me into him. Do you see that? He has given me new life in Christ so that I surrender to him and rest upon him. And who is baptism for? Who is the beneficiary of my baptism? Let's see what the Baptist Confession says. Ordained by Jesus Christ to be Unto the party baptized. Is my testimony to the world, to the people watching in the church, is that what my baptism is about? Well, not according to the Baptist Confession. The Baptist Confession is ordained to point me to. Christ, isn't it? So why do so many Baptist churches, churches that call themselves Baptists, ignore the Baptist confession? Maybe it's because it would actually require teaching the people from the pulpit some very simple, straightforward Christian doctrine. That would never do. Much easier just to tell them that baptism is all about you and your testimony. I have no doubt that when Ananias instructed Saul to be baptized, they were the only people there. And Saul was being pointed to Christ. Look at the verse. Why tarriest thou arise and be baptized? Let's stop there. There's a There's a conjunction there. And the next statement is the second part of that conjunction. Wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. Do you see what I mean? Arise and be baptized. Why? What will that do for me? It will point you to Christ who washes away your sins. In the name of the Lord. That's what that'll do for you. Just as sure as the water in baptism cleanses the filth from off your skin. Just as sure as that. So Christ has taken my sin upon himself and with his own shed blood at the cross has washed away every sin and stain. 
So baptism points us to Jesus, but baptism does not save us. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. For as Paul writes in Romans, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the third element of Paul's apology, his defense has been put before the mob. And so far he has spoken about his Jewish background and his early life and his upbringing and his education and his zeal and his enthusiasm for Jewish customs and laws. And he has told of his genuine conversion to Christ and he has brought forward a credible witness who can be asked who has known, who saw these events for himself, who holds a high degree of credibility among the Jews. All he has to do now is to tell them about his prayer time in the temple when God called him to go to the Gentiles. But what we can't say is that up to now Paul's plan has worked quite well. The howling mob of Jews that had been wanting to rip him from limb to limb have been quiet enough and they've been listening to him speaking about his Jewish roots and his conversion to Christ and his testimony from Ananias and his prayer time in the temple. But the very last sentence of that sets off a fuse that lights the bombshell. Look at verse 22. Up to this word they listened to him. Because God has told him to go far away to tell the Gentiles. So up to this word they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said... Away with such a fellow from the earth. He should not be allowed to live. They're demanding his death. Because he insists that God's plan of salvation includes people who are not Jews. People who have not been living under the law people who have not been observing the temple taxes and the rituals, people who are uncircumcised, filthy Gentile dogs, and it's too much, and their patience wears thin, and they resort to their riotous behaviour, and they demand Paul's death. God willing, next week, if you're allowed back after that, Vaguely. God willing, next week, we'll ask why Christ rejectors are often so antagonistic to the gospel that they actually wish Christians were dead.
Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.